How are big oil earnings holding up after a 50% drop in oil prices on this energy edition of Industry Focus? Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. And joining me here in studio is the one and only Taylor Muckerman and Tyler Crow. How are you today, gentlemen? How can we be I'm the good. one and only when there's two of us? Well, I might be the one and only Taylor Muckerman. I haven't, I haven't looked at that on Google. I think I'm the only Do a Facebook no, I am search. not the one and only Tyler Crow. I'm Although scared to Google myself. That, yeah, that, that's a bad idea. <laughs> I, a bunch of Motley Fool stuff would pop up, I assume. I would imagine, yeah, unfortunately. One can only hope. Fortunately. You're still young. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, so today we are talking about big oil earnings. Uh, a lot of the majors have obviously reported earnings. Six months ago, oil prices crashed, so, which of course begs the question how they held up. Uh, so what are we looking at here, guys? Well, uh, as you would expect, everybody's earnings went down. down, 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 downtown. Down. Some of them a lot worse than others. A uh, couple of them held up pretty well. I mean, all things considered, I think Wall Street. You know, based on analyst estimates and things like that, people were expecting things to be a heck of a lot worse than they really were. Um, just, were they really well hedged, or what was the deal there? Um, I just, in all honesty, I think there was just one of those things where people were looking at it and being, oh my God, this is going to be horrible, this is going to be horrible, this is going to be horrible. And when it wasn't as bad as everybody thought, they're like, oh, okay, so what? it was bad, but not as bad as was expected. Uh, there was a couple things going in place. Uh, so far, we've we've had... Four of the five, what we'd call the big oil, like of the majors that have reported, uh, we're still waiting on Chevron, which reports tomorrow. But everybody has so far reported, and if we just kind of do a quick rundown of how much things have declined, Exxon Mobil down forty four percent from last year. This is earnings, not this is, stock. This price, is right? earnings. Yes. Bottom line earnings. earnings. Yeah. We're not talking about stock prices because yeah. that would be. Something I don't think I would be buying. <laughs> yeah, if you drop forty four percent on Exxon Mobil in a day, that is most incredible. So oil prices seen. fell, you know, fi- you know, fifty fifty five percent. Throw in a little cost cutting there, and mm-hmm. that's how you get the forty four percent drop, more or less. I'm, but at the same time, so you got Exxon Mobil down forty four percent, Royal Dutch Shell down fifty six, then some of the smaller ones, BP down twenty percent, Total down twenty two percent. A couple of these guys were able to make big gains, obviously. Uh, because there is a drop in oil prices, but at the same time, when you see that drop, they get a gain in refining. Uh, so uh, most, most, most of these guys, even though they saw very, very large uh, declines in their upstream earnings, we saw a pretty big increase in refining earnings. And uh, one of the ones that actually probably had the best results, uh, in my opinion, kind of looking at it, would have to be Total. Uh, their upstream Earnings were actually they were reduced by the least. Uh, if you just look at the oil and gas, how they pull that off? Well, uh, they were able to do that because prices took a big drop, but they actually increased their production by ten percent. Everybody else pretty much held steady. Uh, Exxon Mobil saw a little bit like, of increase, two percent, yeah, for Exxon Mobil. But I think also with BP and Total, they're not as exposed to U.S. oil prices. So yeah, it's a very large because the spread prices, widened. Yeah. It it was really narrow until oil prices started falling. Right. People started freaking out about U.S. shale, and then and then all this su- surplus of supply, and so then uh, the the spread widened a little bit. Yeah, uh, the the ones that arcs exposed a little bit more to the United States got to hit a little bit harder, like ExxonMobil, and surprisingly, Royal Dutch Shell, uh, even though they've been trying to get rid of everything America American as of late because of that 
price differential. They their American operations alone to, uh, actually posted a one point one billion dollar loss Oof. in the production side. So they're seeing a l- whole world of hurt right now. And they, of all the ones uh, on this list, uh, Royal Dutch Shell actually showed the biggest signs of weakness overall. Uh, what it, it really showed is that anything else that their oil and gas production is probably some of the costliest. Well, and they're of, big into the North Sea, correct? They're big into the North Sea. They're big into other really expensive expensive projects, like you've got the Kazagan project in Kazakhstan that hasn't produced yet. Uh, and Also the safest country in the world, I hear. Uh, it's not that <laughs> uh, But Sarcasm. If you look at everything that has happened with them and their costs, their upstream profits declined more than 87% uh, this from a, on a year-over-year basis uh, with oil prices for them, their realization is so declining in half. How should Royal Dutch Shell investors be viewing this? Should they like be praying that oil prices rebound fast, or do you think that Royal Dutch would be able to recalibrate their operations to lower-priced oil? Well, right now, with oil prices down for everyone, I think investors should be more concentrated on how they roll BG into the fold because the company's spending, like, what, $75 billion on that? Yeah, uh, the, the $70 billion yeah. BG group acquisition, they're, they're making a really, really big push into yeah. LNG and offshore drilling, especially in Brazil. Yeah, so move. so it, it, I think more than anything else, they need to make sure that that happens right and they're able to get some some sort of cost savings in there because uh, it looks like, you know, some of their production costs are pretty high right yeah. now. Yeah, I think, I think of the of the group, maybe Real Dutch Shell holders should be the longest-term investors. Okay. Because, I mean, they're just placing a $70 billion bet on industries that are probably not going to really take off for another five to ten years. Because trucking companies are just starting to switch to LNG, but we're still well, a yeah, long and, way and away. And the, so. the global distribution is still ramping up. Um, and then deep water oil, if oil prices stay like this, no one's going to be drilling offshore for a while, um, even though that is where the majority of future reserves likely are held. You're still not going to see meaningful production out there at a profit or a meaningful profit for at least a couple of years in my mind. Yeah. Got it. So all this really seems to speak to the uh, the beauty of being a big oil company, the kind of integrated model. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, I want to have an open apology here. I, I remember a couple of years ago. Q oh, violin Q, music. Some, some violin, some, some sad, sappy music. Austin, you got anything in there for that? No? <laughs> um, so basically, a couple of years ago, ConocoPhillips spun off its refining assets into Phillips 66. Uh, it at the time, it looked like an amazing move. Both companies were everybody able, was talking that yeah, up. They were yeah, talking about the yeah. Yeah, everybody was trying. You know, the capital allocation looked a heck of a lot better. Share price appreciation was looking fantastic for that. And what it did is it, it kind of showed that ConocoPhillips assets on its books, those refining assets, were extremely undervalued uh, in the market. And I remember a couple of years ago, I actually uh, was advocating for big oil companies to do something similar because. Uh, if you looked at their books, their their refining assets, all that downstream, midstream assets, were extremely undervalued on on their books. Doing but, a sum of parts valuation, right. obviously. Okay. Yeah, sum of part. And I apologize. You were right. I was wrong. <laughs> Sticking with those, hanging on to them, because this this quarter and this downturn in oil prices is a great example of why big oil has been so successful for so long is through these commodity price swings. Having that integrated model where your refining, your marketing, and your retail sales can cover during times of low oil prices or when 
oil prices are high, you're going to get hit one way or or the other, but it keeps the uh, keeps the ship a heck of a lot steadier. And I think if we just saw what happened with uh, Conical Phillips, yeah, uh, it proves it right here in this quarter, right? Yeah, not- Conical Phillips earnings for this past quarter dropped ninety percent from this time last year because they're essentially an EMP, and they that's, are. Yeah, that's it. They're yeah. a pure exploration production company, and Oof. so when you look at that, you have to say, you know. Maybe hanging on to those integrated uh, that integrated model was the way to go. Yeah, I guess if you, but then you know it just depends on if you want to play this cycle game or if you want to be a long term shareholder. That then you know the integrated model definitely suits that that mindset a little bit better. What? Uh, okay, so everything's twenty twenty in hindsight. We obviously don't you know would have been nice to not spun off Phil sixty six. But uh, where do shareholders in Conoco go from here? Do they? Is this like a throw in the towel thing and go to a stronger player like a Total, or is it a? I, I wish with Conical Phillips, they, yeah, they, I mean, it, it was a really oh, rough geez. quarter, but at the same time, we're talking about a company that, over the very long haul, has done a, a respectable job of generating capital in excess or generating cash flow in excess of their capital expenditures over the long term. They've had a couple bad quarters like this. It's going to happen. It, you just it, more than anything else with a company like this, you just kind of have to stay the track. They still uh, pay a dividend in excess of three percent, so it's a strong dividend play. I don't see why just because they have a bad quarter that we need to immediately start heading for the exits on something like this. I think it's certainly worth sitting and riding it out for a little bit while longer to see what happens with oil prices over the next it's couple of years. probably a little too little too late there. It depends on if you're a teacup investor or a roller coaster investor. If you're a roller coaster investor, hey, you hop into a ConocoPhillips because it's going to be some ups and downs. Right. If you're a teacup rider, it's still fun, but it's a lot safer in your mind. So you invest in ExxonMobil. Got it. And uh, didn't uh, Buffett had a pretty big stake in Conoco? Did he start trimming that last year? Yes, he's been trimming most of his energy he's, holdings. He's a very large portion. In fact, he except for Suncor, right? He bought more Suncor. Bought more Suncor. Yeah. He sold all of his ExxonMobil. Yeah. He's sold uh, a very large stake of ConocoPhillips and has been kind of plucking assets off of Phillips sixty six. Uh, in ex- they, what he did was a small exchange where he bought part of their lubricated yeah, assets yeah, yeah. Yeah. in exchange for some of Phillips 66 shares. Or yeah. Something. yeah, it was like a tax-free yeah. way of uh, Did, taking a business. Do you think he's doing this because he's like, yeah, they really need to have that refining part of their bit. Like, Have you guys seen anything along those lines? I think Warren Buffett just does what Warren Buffett does. I don't Touché. know if it has – I don't think it has anything to do with the cyclicality of the business. Like Tyler said, the whole Phillips 66 thing was just a tax avoidance and he wanted to acquire an energy – a business that had exposure to energy through their lubrication business. Um, but then he's adding more to Suncor, which is an integrated. It's just not – it's just uh, not as big as the ones we're talking about today and because it, it's predominantly only in Canada. Yeah, I, more than anything else, I thought I knew Warren <laughs> Buffett, and you know when he when there was that rumor that he had sold ExxonMobil, I was like, wait, 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 let's hang on. He may be just adding to his position. I was wrong, so I'm not going to try to take any stab at to what Warren Buffett is doing no. anymore because I've been proven wrong many times by him, uh, trying to predict what he th- is thinking. It doesn't seem like he's a straight value investor anymore. He's a uh, tax avoidance. Uh Shuffle things around. Yeah, it's 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 a much different picture than it was several years ago. He's got too much money. He's got to do more creative things. Right, for sure. Very good. Well, thank you both for your thoughts. Have thank a good one. Thank you.
And uh, before we go, I wanted to make sure our listeners were aware of a special offer for all industry-focused listeners. If you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We are offering the lowest price out there for our industry-focused listeners. That is $98 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every single month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. That's it for us, fools. Thanks for listening, and fool on. Fool on.